It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson show. Welcome in. Uh, I'm headed over in just a little bit to uh, tiebreakers for inside pirate athletics with coach Mike Houston. We'll have plenty to talk about there as far as ECU baseball or football goes. Some people might want to talk ECU baseball and uh, we will begin uh, with uh, Jay Sunholder as we always do. Uh, quick thank you to Michael Busimi for his help with the segment. Also, Philip the Ref Pilkington will be in uh, later on in the show. He'll have a pirate report for you. He'll have a sports update for you, and uh, he'll recap the Panthers' first win yesterday, which uh, miraculously occurred, I suppose. All right, Jay Sunalder, playing hurt, playing hurt. He and I go both been sick. I go last week, sunny this week. So here we go. He's a, he, look, he's a well-traveled man. He was all over the globe last week was Jason Holder. <laughs> all right. So, Sonny, uh, give me a uh, just impressions out of the college football weekend. Anything that uh, particularly stood out to you from this past weekend? Yeah, I, I just think the biggest thing is team, you know, teams later on in the year are starting to separate themselves. And I think when you look at the best teams in the country compared to maybe that second tier or third tier, uh, you see the difference. And just an overall theme is teams that play defense have a chance to win the national championship. Teams that don't play defense, you know, are are kind of getting exposed. And uh, I think line play is really important. And and you look at some of the teams that that are playing really well, you know, obviously it's Michigan, um, Georgia, the teams in the SEC, Ohio State, but teams like USC that we've talked about are, I mean, they, they almost lost their third game in a row. So I, I think yeah. that's, that's kind of a theme is, you know, we're seeing teams separate themselves. UNC obviously fell down again. So their hopes of a great season's done. Sonny, um, with what's going on in Michigan, how do you see, you know, we had the deal with the NCAA Harbaugh missed the beginning of the year. Now I guess Ryan Day is somehow linked to the same uh, agency that is investigating uh, them for this spying and sign stealing. TCU says we put in dummy signs last year in the national semifinals. So uh, defend your boy Harbaugh. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just think that everybody's doing some level of cheating. Like all these schools are trying to steal signs. Like you don't think every school's gonna gonna try to look over and figure out the signs. Now, is he going to maybe another degree of it? Possibly, but I mean I mean, at the end of the day, like I just think all these schools are hypocrites in a way. I mean, they're all trying to do the same thing. And and he's probably doing it maybe further, but I mean, I don't really understand how you can call out or, or be against somebody when they're all doing the same thing. The schools could have put in headsets a long time ago and there's different reasons why they claim they haven't but if they really want to then change the rule and put in headsets uh, just like the nfl put in a microphone in the helmet in the uh, quarterback's helmet yeah i mean they could at this point and and the fact that they uh have not we'll see if this move uh is is what precipitates that now 
Sonny, I'm going to ask you, uh, I was reading something yesterday afternoon that there are some that don't, and these are NFL guys that don't think the NFL is going to be the safe harbor for Harbaugh. It'll be a Jim Trestle kind of situation. So how do you see Harbaugh's future given everything going on at Michigan and given the fact that it appears that the NFL right now is not interested in hiring him? Well, yeah, I saw all that kind of report come out yesterday that they're they're not going to welcome him or they're going to try to maybe hold him out or whatever. I mean, my, my thought is he's going to the NFL because they've got – he's got a loaded senior class, a loaded draft-eligible class, so he's going to lose the whole team. Him and the AD obviously aren't, aren't tight. And then the NCAA thing's the biggest thing. And, I mean, whatever the NFL claims or says – if they go and win the national championship or go to the playoff, he's going to be the number one coaching candidate. And if the Chicago Bears have the number one pick in the draft and Jim Harbaugh is available, yeah. they're going to. So, you know, all these reporters that say that or the NFL is funneling that to them, you know, I, I get what they're doing. But I just think when it when it comes at the end of the day, he he's probably going to be in the NFL and be the number one candidate. Uh, and then Harbaugh uh... – played with the bears didn't he he has that uh or am i making that up no he he played with the bears the two jobs to look out for the bears and the yeah the he chargers. played with the bears yeah bears and the, the chargers. chargers okay the, the bears are gonna have the number one pick probably right because they've got the chargers Panthers. they've got the pink right yeah chargers the, have the chargers are your team sonny by the way because you're from san diego originally so <laughs> your, this is true. your team. All right. Uh, Jay Sunholder is with us, ESPN College Football Analyst. Uh, you want to talk some Pirates, Sonny? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Uh, Alex Flynn, gutsy performance. Passed for 225. Uh, was real impressed with what he did. He ran for 53. He did have a pick. Uh, maybe could have had some more picks. Threw for a couple touchdowns. Um. But the team did not appear to, I mean, they were ahead at the end of the one. They scored, uh, got bogged down a little bit there as uh, UTSA made adjustments and then came back and put some points on the board at the end. So, you know, it. Uh, I think pretty gutsy effort, but I think this game, uh, obviously UTSA was the more talented team and uh, we saw that separation as a result, but uh, you can't dispute the fact that the team is at least the pirates are still at least playing hard yeah i mean you know of course the win is is what matters but when you go inside of that i i think the positive signs are that the team you know it's tough when you we've got a record with only one win to play that hard and to still be motivated and to still you know look like you care and and they were out there fighting and on the road against you know utsa is more talented right now against a really good team they showed me a lot. I mean, I mean, rushing for 141 yards on the ground, that's a positive sign. If you can run the ball, you're going to give yourself a chance. I thought, you know, Flynn did some good things. And the biggest thing is, though, they fought, they competed. And if you bring that same effort, because not every team is going to continue to fight, especially later on in the year. You'll see teams kind of pack it in or fall in or not be consistent. It, it almost looked like we took a step forward and were much improved Um you know, from the previous couple of weeks. So I think if we just continue to stay consistent here, continue to fight hard, and get, you know, and, and get better and run the ball, 
you know, we're, we'll hopefully be able to finish off the season, you know, and, and get some wins here. Part of uh, the game, I thought that was a real positive or two positives. Uh, the kid Dontavious Nash gets a pick six, so that's a big thing. Defense helping you there, even though you'd already put some points on the board. Andrew Conrad not only hits um, a field goal in the first, but then he hits a 51-yarder in the uh, right before halftime. So it gives you a little bit of an oomph going to break. And uh, you're still down two scores, but it's an 11-point game at that point. So what I'm getting at there, I think Sonny's frozen. What, I get, what I'm getting at there, Sonny, is I think that uh, – you know, those are some positive things because Conrad missed a couple of kicks last week. Hey. All right, Sonny. There we are. We got you. Did yours fall off? Mine, I don't know what happened. No, yours did. I, I did not. Michael, real quick, what is that something that can be edited out? Um, Video-wise, no, because um, I got nothing to lay over it. Audio-wise, I mean, you're just only like eight minutes into the thing. You just can't butt it up against each other video-wise? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I could do that. Okay. Let's just pick it up from there. Pick, it up from your, pick it up from your question. Ask your question again. All right. My, all right. So ask my question again. All right. Yes. Um, yeah. The question... Is all right. You know the positives that I also take from it. Uh, Conrad hit a couple of uh, field goals, including a fifty-one yarder. Uh, of course, they were indoors in the dome, but that shows you he's got the leg. But two, he whatever kicks he missed against Charlotte, there's no bad juju or any uh, mental issues or the yips from that. So that's a positive because uh, I think Conrad uh, has the leg strength to. to complete drives rather have touchdowns of course but you know you need that you're going to need that kicker at some point and then I it was impressed on Tavius Nash got the pick six for the Pirates so you know a really nice first quarter and and, and uh, a really nice into the first half with the 51 yard field goal again you know we, we've kind of gone through the first six weeks of this thing seven weeks of this thing you know trying to find silver linings when there maybe has not been that many or maybe we're or pointing to a player or two or a driver or two. I thought this was the best period uh, since Gardner Webb of prolonged good football for ECU. I do too. I mean, I think there are positive signs all the way throughout the game. You know, we talked about the the fight in the team, and that showed me a lot. And uh, just even the disappointment at the end of the game. I mean, you can tell the players are in this. They're fighting, and you know, it's it's not fun when you only have one win and you're out there practicing every day, and, and it's not paying off on Saturdays. But you can see the team is getting better, and those positive signs, guys improving. I mean that that is huge. And they talked about the rushing, running the football. I, I think that that's a positive sign moving forward into November. Uh, Chase Soul, of course, gets a touchdown catch near the end of the game. He uh, continues to be impressive. But it was nice to see Jalen Johnson kind of break out, receives eight balls for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. So. Uh, he kind of came on as the season went on last year and provided some some help with an already really talented receiving core a season ago. If he can start to to ramp this up and build off of this, that's a good sign for the Pirates. By the way, no Shane Calhoun, so that tight end spot, uh, which has had some injuries this year, is, is a little bit of a void. So 
I think Johnson took advantage of the opportunities presented to him with Calhoun out. Yeah, well, so well in Johnson, they both averaged over 13 yards per catch, which is huge because that means the offense was aggressive. They were taking shots down the field, and every time they caught the ball, it was basically a first down. So I think Johnson is and can be that number one guy, and, and so well with those two guys coming along. It just looks like there's more of a rhythm in the pass game and looked like it was more comfortable for the Pirates throwing the football, and those two guys stepped up. And, and you know, I just think a game like this, even though – you don't win it. It's in a tough spot on the road. You can gain confidence from it. And I think I think the Pirates is, was a really good showing for them and something they can build on. Joshua Cephas was huge, only four catches, but had huge yardage. And then Frank Harris, older quarterback, four touchdowns. So, uh, look, UTSA is right up there right now with, uh, with the, um, you know, uh, SMU who just demolished Tulsa. That was unbelievable. And uh, you've got Tulane who uh, was up by 20 and had to hold on to win. So, uh, you know, you got three teams vying for two spots in the uh, AAC championship game. So I think UTSA, just because they're veteran at quarterback, have a, have a uh, little bit of a leg up, perhaps. And uh, obviously, I think uh, the uh, the uh, lane Green Wave with Michael Pratt and everything they have back from the New Year's Six Bowl win last year and their great coach have a leg up. I'm going to ask you about Tulane in a minute, but SMU, um, I think they avoid Tulane and I think they avoid UTSA. I'll check that. I know they avoid Navy. So SMU got some favors as they were going out uh, to uh, to the ACC next year, and uh, I just I just think Sonny that they are, um, uh, you know they're they're gonna if they can beat people's brains in from here on out that's what they're gonna do. Oh yeah, they're gonna try to, and their last year they're gonna they're gonna try to go out there and kind of make a statement, and, and I, I mean their goal is to win it all and leave the conference. So. They're going to have an opportunity, you're right. I mean, with the schedule, they kind of caught some breaks <laughs> that other teams don't have. Uh, they all they do get Navy at the end of the year, uh, but they do not get uh, Texas-San Antonio, and they do not get Tulane. So, uh, I mean, they got Rice next week, should be favored there. North Texas should be favored in that Friday game on the 10th. Memphis might be their only their toughest challenge on the road coming up, so I think that's that's beneficial for them. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tulane, the pirate opponent uh, this week. Uh, obviously, they have Michael Pratt. They have uh, one of the best coaches in the conference, if not the country. And uh, you know, look, they uh, they were able to hold off Rice. They've had some close shaves this year, but. Uh, when it comes to kind of nut cutting time, this is a team that uh, can rely on a lot of experience and a lot of uh, and a lot of successful experience. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's hard to be dominant in every game, and their only losses to Ole Miss, so that just and that was a close game, so that just kind of shows you uh, shows you how good they are. And I don't think, but yeah, they I a, don't think Pratt played in that one, did he, Sonny? I don't think he did. So he, he did it. Yeah, and Pratt is a is a real. I mean, we've seen him as a freshman. He's an NFL caliber quarterback. He'll he'll have a shot whether that's getting drafted or in camp. So 
anytime you have a guy like that that has experience, I mean, he's their leader and the Willie Fritz, you know, outstanding coach. So it's going to yeah. be a tough challenge for EC. But I mean, you know, it's a thing. If ECU comes ready to play, plays defense, and you can get some turnovers, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, Tulane, Tulane is really good, and just that experience from what they've been able to do last year. I mean, it's huge for them in those close games. All right, we're going to talk some other college football, uh, three teams in the state. After uh, this timeout on Overreaction Monday with Jay Sunholder on the PJ Show. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Welcome back. We're uh, driving you towards Inside Pirate Athletics with Coach Mike Houston coming up uh, from Tiebreakers in just a little bit. Sonny, what was your favorite costume as a kid that you would dress in? Or maybe even in college. What was your favorite <laughs> Halloween costume? What was it? You'll, you'll, you'll like this one. Uh, I was alfalfa one year for the Little Rascals, and I had my hair <laughs> stick it up. Yeah, that's a good one. That was that was pretty good, wasn't it? Because I kind of looked like him. Yeah, when I was like 12 years old, yeah, that you, was my, I, that's I my can problem. imagine you kind of looked like him. As a little my kid, hair. I had Superman. I had Superman, which I thought yeah. was good. What are you going to um, be this year? I, asleep. <laughs> asleep. <It's> my hope. <laughs> my hope. I'll be asleep during the whole thing. It's going to be cold. My my hope is I'll be asleep. Uh, Jay Sunholder is uh, with us here. Um, a couple national things that stood out to me. Uh, Oregon, who barely lost to Washington, beats Utah, I mean, and dismantles Utah on the road. Washington defensively has been iffy the last couple of weeks. I thought for a while there they may have been the bet. They and Michigan may have been the best two teams. Uh, and look, Washington may still win out and, and get there. But it seems to me, even with the one loss, Oregon might play their way into an opportunity we'll see but i mean yeah. that that was pretty impressive from the ducks on saturday yeah i mean to go on the road at utah and utah had won like 27 in a row at their yeah. home field so i think oregon um i think oregon's the best team in the pac-12 even though they lost to washington they're the best team i mean they lost at washington at the end of the game they're going to play them again probably in the pac-12 championship but i i wouldn't be surprised even though USC is is playing badly. The Washington USC game Saturday night is going to be a tough one for Washington yeah. on the road. Well, look, USC defensively is atrocious, but they can score. I mean, the yeah. one thing a Lincoln Riley team can do is score. All right. Speaking of, speaking of, let me find it here. Speaking of the uh, the uh, the the Utah. Uh, they're a little tete-a-tete between Steve Smith Sr. and Dave Doran. <laughs> Every time I hear Dave Doran speak, I fall asleep. All right, so that's an oldie but goldie, and it still works. All right, Sonny, here is the back and forth that led to Dave Doran on national TV, although maybe 150,000 saw it on CW, still national television. Dave Doran said this, but we start with Steve Smith from the hideous college game day program. Well, Clemson has been struggling. They're not the, the Clemson we've yeah. loved over the years. 
But NC State, unfortunately, they're waiting for basketball to start. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass. And then he walks off. A walk-off there by Dave Doran. I have the other cut here where he he went even further, Sonny, in the uh, – he went even further in his uh, post-game comments uh, to uh, – to the media in Raleigh afterwards. Now, this all follows Clemson getting beat by NC State. Here's Dave Dorn to the media. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that lives in Charlotte, he clearly has got his head faced west to Utah all the time, which, you know, I understand. And no disrespect to him, but he disrespected our program. And uh, I'm not going to let people do that. These kids have worked their butt off. Um, we've won a lot of football games here. And in my tenure, I think we're second or third in the ACC and wins in football. So, you know, he can take that and put it where it belongs. But this is not a basketball school. This is a great, great school that has great sports, and football is one of them. And um, so, yeah, if he wants to come see me, we can talk about that. But, you know, do your homework before you start talking. Beeped out because he said a bad word. All right. Number one. Number one. Steve Smith doesn't know what he's talking about because anybody who follows anything about college basketball knows NC State is not a basketball school, not even close <laughs> to a basketball school. They're not a football school, though they think they are, but they are not a basketball school. Uh, number two, Dave Doran acting like a jerk doing Dave Doran things takes away from his team's win against Clemson. Yeah. What say you, Sonny? I mean, well, I mean, no, defend I your boy, Doran. Defend your boy, Doran. I mean, he's trying to defend his program, and that's great. But I mean, they, they better keep winning because they got a ton. They've got Miami this Saturday. They've got Wake Forest, yep. Virginia Tech, and UND. Um, and, you know, I don't know. My, my whole thing is if you're going to come out and, and make loud, I think it's better just to walk quietly, win games, and, and keep everything moving forward. Because if you put a target they could on go your back, one and three, they could go one. And, and you, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this. Yeah. Virginia Tech's playing better. Uh, Miami is up and it, down, but Miami is still talented. Miami, Wake always favorite. plays NC State tough. Miami's still well, they should Wake be favorites. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It, so yeah, yeah, they could go zero and four. I mean, they literally they could go zero and four in those teams. I hope. Yeah. So I mean, I hope they do. I, yeah. I get these guys try to fire up their teams or also like try to show personality to the fan bases. I just think, you know, if you do that stuff, you better win. And they won Saturday, but they've still got four more games. So I think, you know, taking a shot at Steve, Steve Smith, who doesn't know, you know, he didn't know. <laughs> You're right. It's not a football score. He didn't know NC State from Utah State. That way he might know Utah State. But, but uh, yeah, Steve I mean, Smith doesn't have the time to come up and talk to him nor does he want to i was just waiting for the retaliation i was waiting for steve smith to pop back we haven't heard anything yet well if we have we've missed it and that just tells you how flat this feud is um <laughs> all right so that's dave doran uh let's hear from uh we have no more audio to hear from so let me ask you about uh the carolina tar heels the choking dogs that they are Losing yeah. at Georgia Tech, who is not exactly um, the rambling wreck of the 1990 season or whatever that won the in, won the title or did whatever. 
I mean, this is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, yet the UNC defense reverted back to the norm and just allowed a ton of points. And uh, Tez Walker got banged up, and you hate that for him. But wow, Sonny. Wow. Wowie, wow, 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 Sun Dog. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think They're Tech came quick, back twice they? in the. Yes, Tech came back twice in that game from being down two scores, twice to win it. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that I go back to with them is Drake May is going to be the number one or number two pick in the draft, and you've got you've got an outstanding quarterback. You'll never have anybody better than him there, and your defense is that bad, and you're just flaking it away. I mean, they literally should be 8-0 right now. I mean, th- yeah. this should be their year. This should, like, to lose at home to Virginia is even worse than losing at Georgia Tech. But they just, like, obviously they fell asleep. They weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And that's what's the alarming thing. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, their schedule coming up, they've got Campbell on Saturday. Um, They've got Duke, Clemson, and NC State. So, I mean, that's a schedule there. They could go go one and three. They could go one and three in that stretch. They're going to beat Campbell. I hate to break it to you. But but if they pack it in, they could. I mean – and that's sad because yeah. this should be their year. I mean, <laughs> they they should be they should be in the ACC championship, and they're probably going to blow it. Yeah. Well, it looks like Louisville is going to end up being there. They've got an elimination game essentially with Virginia Tech this weekend. Uh, this is all assuming Florida State rolls into there, which they should. Uh, Louisville shutting out Duke. That was probably one of the worst performances under Mike Elko for the Blue Devils, and. Uh, you know, they have Riley Leonard out there limping around, doing the best he can do on a bad wheel, two bad wheels, actually, it appears, uh, and they get shut out. So now Duke has dropped uh, two in a row, and they've got four games left, and uh, they need a win for bowl eligibility. What was looking like a special season uh, is now starting to waver a, a hair. So uh, they got Wake Forest Thursday. It's a quick turnaround, and Wake is pesky and can run the football. Yeah, that that weight game, and then they have UNC after that. So their whole season's really going to be the next two with it. Four games left, but the next two weeks is going to say it all. And it's too bad for Duke. You know, personally, I like Duke because <laughs> I like Mike Elko, and I think they're doing things the right yeah. way. And that's cool. That's you know they don't have the resources as as Clemson or Florida State, and they have a winner. So I'm I'm a big fan of what he's doing. Um, so I pull for them. But the Wake Forest game and the UNC game—that's that's going to be their season. Those two games. So hopefully that they'll get healthy and, and you know they'll play to their full potential. But that that Wake Forest team is always good. They're always solid, and especially when they're at home. You know, NC State's going to Wake Forest. They had a one there, and for you know their record's terrible in Winston Salem. So you know that's a tough place, a tough team to go against. Stat for you, Sonny, before we wrap up the segment: uh, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati are a combined uh, one in 14 in Big 12 play. Uh, your guy up there at West Virginia beat him, UCF, uh, to move to five and yep. three and, and three and two. Is that guy going to survive up in West Virginia, by the way, Sonny? I mean, they they went away from bowl eligibility. Yeah, I, I think I think he will. I mean, to me, Neil on Brown. their schedule, yeah. I, I mean, they're going to go minimum seven and five. Okay. So, so that, that possibly, saves you, you think? I mean, I, I think seven, I don't, I mean, I think, I don't know how you can do anything there if you're seven and five or, 
or eight and four. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not uh, top ten. Can't team, do anything but I mean, if you're eight and four. Yeah, you can't do anything if you're eight and four. Now, if you're seven and five, it just depends on the mood, I guess, and how much term he's got left and at what buyout rate. But I mean, if he wins eight, he's still, he's still if he wins, a high number. Okay, well then, if he wins seven or eight games, you can't do anything. They're showing progress. But are you astonished that UCF, Cincy, and Houston have struggled like they have in that conference? Uh, yeah, I have just because I, I think they, they've got some good coaches there and I didn't think the big and UCF's 12 got necessary. talent. Yeah. I didn't think the big 12, it's not like the big 12 is the sec. You know, I mean, it's, it's defense is optional up there. So I, I am surprised that they haven't transferred, transferred to more wins. All right. The great Jay Sunholder, he'll be in Chapel Hill for Campbell at UNC. Say hello to Mac Brown, who now all of a sudden is too old to coach. He's too old to coach. Are you going to talk to Chadwick this week ahead of that game? Your your guy Chadwick at, at uh, yeah at Clayton, the head co- who I'll coached uh, Drake May and okay, he got they got beat on a heartbreaker, Sonny, a heartbreaker to the Cleveland Rams on uh, Friday night, a hail mary at the horn. Yeah, it's crazy a tough stuff. one and uh. High school playoffs starting next week. Are you excited about that, Sonny? I am. Yeah, week one. Week one should be good. All right. The great Jay Sunholder, who started to sound better as we got him pepped up, I think it's because you haven't talked to me in a week is why you weren't <laughs> feeling good. That's that's just what I feel. I miss you. You should. I know what you've been up to. You should miss me. All right. Uh, the great Jay Sunholder. Uh, ESPN College Football Analyst. We are taking a break. I'm headed over to tiebreakers. Philip the Ref Pilkington will have a pirate report, some post-game audio for you. He'll uh, have some Panthers for you to close the show. He's excited today because he was there and they won on a chip shot field goal. Ah. And then, uh, right now you'll hear from Pilk. Update. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to Sonny next Monday. All right. Thanks again to Michael Busimi, Philip the Ref Pilkington, and to Sonny. PJ Show continues. Thanks, Patrick. It was a busy weekend in Pirate Athletics over the weekend. The football team fell to UTSA 41-27. They will be back in action this weekend against nationally ranked Tulane. They will host them at 3.30 Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. We'll start right here at 12.30. You can also see us outside of Town Bank Tower. The volleyball team had a tough weekend, dropping two five-set matches to Rice and Tulsa. They will be back in action this Friday as they host SMU at 6 o'clock. Come out to Minji's Coliseum. Admission is free. Cross-country hosted the conference meet over this weekend. The men finished ninth and the women brought home a seventh place finish. The swim team improved to 5-0 and this weekend as they defeated James Madison. The Carolina Panthers got their first win by defeating Houston 15-13 on an Eddie Pinheiro 23-yard field goal as time expired. Coach Frank Reich talks about how proud he is of his guys. Great win. Uh, obviously long time coming. Uh, we fought hard. feel like you know, our level of preparation has continued to rise throughout the year. Standards going higher and higher just a matter of time before we see the results. So really proud of how we played as a team, you know, as one, just sticking together. Good complimentary football. It wasn't always pretty at times, um, but we, we hung in there. 
Yesterday, Ryan Blaney won the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville to punch his ticket to the championship four race in Phoenix next weekend. He joined Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, who had already clinched spots in the championship four. The final spot was grabbed by William Byron, who beat out Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, and Chris Buescher on points. The Canes will be back in action tonight as they travel up to Philly to take on the Flyers. Rob Brendamore's club will be trying to build on a two-game win streak. Tonight is Game 3 of the World Series from Phoenix. The series is tied at 1, and as each team tries to edge ahead 2-1, to one, they, their pitching matchup will be Max Scherzer against Brandon Fott. The number one high school commit for next season, Cooper Flagg, has announced he will be taking his talents to Durham to play for Coach John Shire and the Duke Blue Devils. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will hear comments from head coach Mike Houston following the Pirates' lost Saturday to UTSA. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome into our Pirate Report here as we move along on this Monday. Patrick is heading over to tiebreakers right now for Inside Pirate Athletics. We're going to hear some post-game audio from Coach Mike Houston following the Pirates' loss the other day. They lost 41-27. to A lot of the big reason they lost was the explosive plays of the Roadrunners, and he talked about that after the game. Well, they are very talented, um, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the issue you have with them. Um, you know, you, you look at a couple of big plays, and the thing that frustrates you is, you know, that's, it's stuff that I expect us to make the play on. You know, the, the long run, the 69-yard run was on just a, a standard counter play, and our linebacker misfit it. Um, you know, the, uh, the pass play was on a, a play that we've worked you know, a, a ton this week, and our, our safety was misaligned. You know, it's frustrating because, you know, I expect us to make those plays, and we've seen us make those plays all year. And, you know, you look at those two plays, you take those two plays away, and it's a different ball game. Uh, and it, it's, you know, that's, that's the thing is you can't make those mistakes against a group that's uh, got those kind of skilled kids and, and that talented. Yeah, the uh, Roadrunners only had one drive of more than eight plays. It was just kind of the explosive plays. You know, you talk about those six or seven plays that really define a football game. And unfortunately, most of them went the way of the Roadrunners. There was the pick six by the Pirates. But for the most part, uh, more of the big plays made by UTSA, even though kind of play in and play out, it really was a fairly evenly matched contest. Uh, Pirates started quarterback Alex Flynn. Mason Garcia did see one play, but Alex played every snap but one on the offensive side of the football. And Coach Houston gave his his thoughts on Alex's play. Well, I thought I told him in the locker room just a minute ago. I thought he showed, I thought he showed a lot of toughness and, and just a lot of tenacity today. And you know, there's a half a dozen plays that you know he's going to look at that is the difference in winning and losing the game. And it's, I told him, I said it's tough. You know, it, the pressure's on the quarterback, the pressure's on the head coach, the pressure's on the you know the offense. But if you don't want that pressure, then don't be that guy. But, you know, he, he, he played very well for the bulk of the day, and he's going to look at those half dozen plays, and we just got to help him make a better decision in those situations. And, uh, and, and, it, and then all of a sudden you're sitting here throwing for over 300, 300 yards and, and a much different, uh, and much different outlook on the game. 
Yeah, Alex Flynn was 23 of 43 in the contest with 225 yards passing. He had a pair of touchdowns, both to wide receivers. Pirate wide receivers had had no receiving touchdowns all season coming into that game. One to Jalen Johnson, one to Chase Sowell. And uh, Flynn did throw one interception that game. He also was credited running the ball 20 times for 53 yards. Uh, That's a little inaccurate. Obviously, sacks do count as negative rushing attempts in uh, college football. So uh, he was sacked four times for 28 yards. That means he actually ran the ball true rushes 16 times for... 81 yards so it's a solid job running the ball from Alex as well as throwing the football and um, you know we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward I definitely think it was the best game we had seen yet by a pirate quarterback and uh, coach Houston talked about how his team can build off this game there was a lot of hard discussions this week but I just I told the kids I just I love them I mean I have a, a phenomenal group of young men and they, they went out and they competed at the level I expect them to every single week. And we saw so many guys make plays today that they have not been making. And I just I, my hope is that they can build on that and to get some confidence from that. I mean, that's that's as talented of a team as we're going to play uh, anywhere in, on our schedule right there. And, and, you know, to go out and compete at that level. Now, let me make one thing crystal clear. I am never, never happy losing a ball game, ever. Uh, so there there is no, you know... Uh, good losses but we had a lot of positive things we can build on from this game today the pirates definitely can i think that might be the most complete game they've played all year against an fbs opponent and uh, it just proves the confidence that this team still has in one another the confidence they have in the coaching staff to go out there and play what on paper is a much superior opponent and to go out there and really hang with them uh yeah they lost by 14 but definitely a a solid performance by the Pirate team and something that they can build off of. And uh, they're going to get a tough test this week as they take on Tulane. So that'll do it for our Pirate Report here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, We do have time for one more segment. On the other side, I will be joined by our intern, William, and uh, we'll talk a little NFL football, and we will also talk a little bit about the World Series. Stay right here for the Monday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. And now... The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in here to our final segment of the Patrick Johnson Show ahead of Inside Pirate Athletics. We're going to wrap it up with a little NFL talk as well as a little World Series talk. So first off, Carolina Panthers getting their first win yesterday of the 2023 campaign uh, it was a heck of a game, battled back and forth. It was really cool. I was fortunate enough to be there and watch Musa Muhammad and Julius Peppers go into the Panthers' ring of honor. Uh, Mick Mixon was there, Eastern North Carolina native, to to induct them, which was which really cool to see uh, him come back. Obviously, longtime voice of the Panthers. Uh, Roger Goodell was there. He got some uh, strong words and a lot of booze, of course. So that was that was kind of fun to do. Uh, I think it might have been the first time I ever booed Goodell in person. So I kind of liked that. But um, anyway, Panthers will not join the 77 Bucks, the 08 Lions. And uh, sorry, William, you're, I believe it was, was it 2018 or 2019 Browns that didn't I win a game? I believe it was 2018. Yeah, 2018 Browns. Sorry. Those three teams will not have new company um, as 
the Carolina Panthers, and no one in the 2023 campaign will go over. All right, moving on. In big news yesterday in the NFL, quarterback Kirk Cousins out for the season, tore his Achilles right as the Vikings were finally starting to get it together. Uh, They defeated Green Bay yesterday, coming off the heels of a huge win last Monday night against San Francisco, who we're going to talk about in a second. So right now, the only other quarterback on their roster is Jaron Hall, a rookie out of BYU. So it was the quarterback, I guess, that played ECU last year. He has thrown four NFL passes. All of them came yesterday. That is who is on their roster. William, any thoughts on whether they should run with Jaron Hall or try and get somebody of t- ahead of tomorrow's trade deadline at 4 p.m. or or sign any you know old guys? Are they going to call you know Matt Ryan off the couch? Well, Matt Ryan it would be a great option as <laughs> he is a amazing playmaker. I think that they should go with a previous Viking, Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like that. Um, the fans there love them. My only worry with that is I think it's a great move on their part, but the team they're going to have to beat to win the division is the Detroit Lions, and Teddy Bridgewater is currently Jared Goff's backup at the Detroit Lions. So do you think that – what do you think the asking price would have to be from Detroit in order to give a rival team a quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, given the position that Detroit is in right now, they're in one of the best positions to make the playoffs that they have been in in quite a few years. And I think that they had to demand a lot to, to give this player, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, up because of just the position. If Jared Goff goes down, who are they going to have? They're going to need this guy on their bench as a solid backup. But the Vikings also need him as their solid starter. So I would reckon to say they ask about a first round, maybe multiple second round picks. Yeah. I think that's what the buying price would have to be, unfortunately, to rent a player for a year. They're just not going to do it. So I think that is probably off the table just solely because of the divisional reason. Like you said, they're going to ask for more than he's worth, but they have to. So, uh, free agent quarterbacks include Carson Wentz. We already mentioned Matt Ryan, Colt McCoy, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Trevor Simeon, Bryce Perkins, EJ Perry, Jake Luton, Chase Gamers, according to Sports Kita, which that's their top 10 rankings. I don't really know how legit this website is, but those guys are free agents. Any names there ring a bell for you that you would really like to see them maybe go sign this week? I find it funny that Nick Foles and Carson Wentz are both on the free agent market, given that they were both on that Eagles team that won it uh, not too many years ago. And, of course, Nick Foles led that team to the um, Super Bowl. But I don't see any of those players as really standout guys besides from just maybe one or two years of really good production. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, Those guys have played, obviously, since that Eagles team and not probably played well enough to be – starters in this league but you definitely expect them to be backups so i could see probably one of those two guys being the guys to go after i mean matt ryan i think's working for cbs right now flacco's old um both those guys came out in 08 so yeah i see Wentz or Foles probably getting signed maybe colt mccoy 
I feel like Colt McCoy. uh, Colt McCoy wouldn't be a bad option either because I think those guys have the most recent NFL experience. So I think those would be the three that they would want to target. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's move on to our next kind of talking point here on the NFL side. We got to make this one quick so we can get into some baseball. I know you got some fun points you want to make. is the 49ers, has their season taken a turn for the worse, or do you just think it's it's three bad weeks as they're on a three-game losing streak? I want to hope that it's just three bad games and that they'll be able to turn this around and go ahead and make a good run like they have so many years in the past. Yeah, I still have faith in Kyle Shanahan and this coaching staff as well as this team. Uh, as mentioned, though, they have lost three consecutive games. We will see if they can get it turned around. But we've only got about four minutes left in the show. Actually, you know, one more point I want to make on them. They have a bye coming up this week. I think it's a perfect week for them to get it turned around before they go to Jacksonville in Week 10. But uh, I know Williams want to talk some Major League Baseball. Game three tonight, we mentioned in the update, Brandon fought against Max Scherzer who has got countless starts in the postseason obviously fight is a rookie so uh two totally different you know mindsets going into this but man it has been a stellar postseason so far especially world series and uh you know the big guy that uh has really put his name out there even though he's already a star player but really maybe could be the mvp if the uh d-backs win this thing is tommy Pham. Yeah, I really like seeing Fam break out in the World Series. Um, he has actually accomplished a feat that has it puts him in territory with another big name, um, Albert Pujols. And Tommy Fam now has three postseason career games with four-plus hits, and that's tied in postseason history with only Albert Pujols. Yeah, that is that is impressive. And, you know, he had that four-hit game the other night, multiple home runs. This this series has, even though these are the two teams who have not really relied on long ball, I think, to get him, them here, as teams like the Phillies did, um, it seems like home runs coming at crucial times in this series, at least in game one, have been the difference. I like that these teams still play an old school brand of baseball and that they do get guys on, knock them in, and... Uh, you know, kind of do it the way you're supposed to manufacture runs, but they can hit the long ball as well. I think both these teams are very balanced. I think both these teams have good pitching. So I think tonight you're going to have to find a way to score runs because I think both of these pitchers are just doing a phenomenal job. I I think it's going to be an interesting game. I have an uncle who's going tonight. I have to say I'm really jealous. Uh, what do you think about tonight, William? Who do you, who do you think is coming out on top of this one? I'm going to have to go with D-backs tonight. I haven't seen much from Scherzer's postseason pitching this year that makes me think that he won't get knocked around. Yeah, no, that's understandable. And what was that other thing? You know, We were talking during the last break. Uh, I know you brought up the, the interesting Tommy Famstad already, but you brought up another one about this being his first World Series. He had actually never even been to an NL or ALCS, and who are the teams that he had played for who've been to countless of those in the last decade? This is his first at-bat in a championship series, and he's played for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tampa Bay Rays, San Diego Padres, and Boston Red Sox before, and I find that very interesting because all these teams have been fairly decent in the past years that he's played for them. They just haven't made it to a championship series or further. 
Yeah, that is that is a pretty weird stat. So we'll see what happens tonight. I think he definitely could be a potential for the MVP if the D-backs were to go on and win. Obviously, uh, Corey Seager probably putting his name out there pretty high if the Rangers win. But hey, we've got somewhere between three and five games left in this thing, but we've only got 30 seconds left here in the show. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. We want to thank Patrick Johnson, Michael Busimi, Jay Sunhalter. Thank you to intern William, who's right now behind the glass as I have shifted into the P-man's role. It was a uh, fun Monday here. It was a Panther win Monday. Hopefully next Monday can be a Panther win and a Pirate win Monday. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Tune back in tomorrow for the PJ Show and stay tuned for Inside Pirate Athletics, which begins here in about three minutes.